Hey guys, welcome to episode 10, season two. I have an incredible guest. His name is Brian Cheeseman, and he has been a phenomenal guy who has, you know, really led in the hockey world and, and is about to dive into how he became a therapist and, you know, where he's at today. So how are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great, Lindsay. Thanks for uh, for having me on tonight. Absolutely. I'm definitely trying to... Uh, you know, really pull in people who have inspired me through my own journey, even as a, a therapist. And, you know, with that being said, you know, who, who is Brian? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you're all about. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a guy to be honest with you first and foremost, but um, you know, I'm, I'm a certified athletic therapist and have been since 2009. The majority of my time uh, as a certified therapist has been spent uh, inside a hockey rink and it's uh, it's been a fantastic journey to this point. Um, you know, I've had a lot of cool experiences. I've got to meet a lot of interesting people and I've got to travel a lot of uh, places I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So I'm, I'm very grateful uh, to uh, kind of be where I am today and, and, and be doing what I'm doing today for sure. Absolutely. Well, you do have quite the story and, and I'm so grateful to even know you first off, of course, but also, you know, have the opportunity to work with you with the world juniors, you know, how many years have you done the world juniors? Uh, so this event, uh, coming up in actually starting in a couple of weeks with our camp in Red Deer, Alberta, will be my fourth opportunity to uh, represent Canada as an athletic therapist as part of the support staff for the World Junior Tournament. And it is an incredibly uh, humbling and exciting uh, experience every time you get the opportunity. And I certainly consider myself very lucky and very fortunate to be selected to be a part of the process in, in any year, but especially in a a year that has affected people as much as this COVID-19 pandemic has. And you know, to be able to, to play a small role behind the scenes in uh, a tournament that's going to have basically all of the eyes of the world watching it, because <laughs> I think it'll be the only the only game in town, so to speak, at that point is is pretty cool. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. And I really do think it's going to be quite the show because, you know, the lineup of the team, first and foremost, is, is incredible. But, you know, having that experience and really getting to enjoy it with the world is probably the best part. Like, you know, where are the places that you have traveled with your career? Um, I've, I've covered a decent uh, amount of ground, uh, nowhere super warm or exotic yet, but that's, <laughs> uh, that's the price you pay when you work in the hockey field. But uh, I've, I've been to Helsinki, Finland for a world junior tournament. I've been to Magnitogorsk and Chelyabinsk, Russia with the under 18 uh, men's world championship. Um, you know, in the Buffalo, obviously that's where our paths crossed. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast here, but <laughs> it's, um, you know, and with my own day job here as an athletic therapist with the Edmonton Oil Kings, I basically have driven every highway, byway and back road in, in Western Canada and, and in the Pacific Northwest. So I've, I've covered a lot of ground and, uh, you know, I've let them, I've met a lot of very interesting people and had some pretty awesome experiences along the way. Oh yeah. I, well, exactly that. And I think it's, it's so hard to think, you know, 
I get the question all the time, like, how do you know what sport is yours? And, you know, or is there a certain sport that you work with that's your always your go-to or your favorite? And for you, for example, you know, I, I read your Alberta Bound article, which was awesome. And, you know, a fun fact that I didn't know about you was that you've, you've never even played the sport, which is really cool in a way. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's, it's kind of the funny thing, I guess, about my path to, to where I am as an athletic therapist today. I was a fairly active child growing up in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. I played soccer. I played baseball. I played a lot of basketball, but you know, out of with a bunch of friends that I hung around with, I, I never played hockey and it wasn't because I, I didn't want to, or I couldn't. I just, I, I love the sport. I was always drawn to it. I would go watch their games. I would always watch hockey night in Canada with my dad. Um, you know, my dad was, 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 sorry, an off ice official. He basically ran the, the clock in the penalty box at Memorial stadium in St. John's. Oh, wow. And then, um, at the new mile one stadium in St. John's for the St. John's Maple Leafs primarily, but when uh, senior hockey was huge in Newfoundland, like it was coast to coast, there were teams from the West coast of the province, central, you know, a couple teams around the St. John's and Metro area. And I mean, it was at that time, before the Leafs moved their American League franchise to St. John's in 1991, it was the only game in town, essentially. And <laughs> I remember Sunday afternoons coming down to the rink with my dad, and, and I would sit in the penalty box with him and, and watch the game from ice level. You know, I was probably six or seven or eight at that point. And, you know, you get a real appreciation, even at that age, for the physicality of the sport, the speed of the sport, the skill involved in the sport. And, you know, anytime someone would come to the penalty box, he'd slip me a few dollars and say, okay, you can go to the canteen now and, and go to the concession and grab something to eat. And <laughs> cause I don't need, I don't need to learn in any language in here that, you know, you take home and then start saying around mom. So <laughs> it's um, so true. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where it started. And, and yeah, like I never played it, but it's, it's always been a part of my life in some way, shape or form. And, and, you know, these days more than ever, right. It's, uh, I, I live, eat, sleep, breathe it without ever having played it, which I think is is a little bit different than than most people that, um, you know, when, whether they're a, a massage therapist, an athletic therapist, a physio, a chiro, um, usually when they end up in a specific sports field, they, they certainly have some experience themselves playing the sport. But I don't think that that has uh, detracted from what I've been able to do with my athletes when they've been injured and so on. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's really cool that you did start at such a young age with your dad and had that relationship and that experience because honestly, the best part of going to those games sometimes is is when they chuck the puck over, you know, and, and they, they give it to the fans and regardless of your age, that, that really does stick with you and it makes you want to go more and be more interested in the sport and, and, you know, who knows what, like, for example, your story, like who knows where you'll end up because you'll be on the bench fast forward in life and you'll be really experiencing that from a hands-on point of view right which is crazy <laughs> yeah and and like I said I mean it was I, I never played the game I mean I was a fairly active kid and and you know played um for, uh, provincial level basketball um and baseball I mean I wasn't by any means a star on the team but I, I think kind of playing that that kind of background role on each of those teams, um, you know, whether that's coming off the bench in baseball or basketball and, and, and contributing late in the game or, uh, you know, in the late innings and trying to do something to help your team kind of get that win. I think that made me appreciate um, those types of players even more as I transitioned, you know, through my kinesiology degree in university 
to my athletic therapy degree, to my actual job as an athletic therapist. I, I definitely think I have a soft spot for those players, you know, having in, in a separate lane kind of walked a mile in those shoes. And it's not easy to be that, that, you know, fourth line player, that sixth or seventh defenseman, that backup goalie. But I think if you talk to anybody that I've, I've worked with, um, you know, athlete wise over the years, I think those are the guys that I've probably ended up having the the longest lasting and best relationships with. Mm. And that's beautiful though, because they also need people like that who can keep them motivated and help them understand that, you know, they're just as much as the the team as the first line players. Right. I think that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, you know, it, it helps them, feel comfortable having someone to, to talk to because as much as, you know, my job is, is doing manual therapy or taping or, you know, worst case scenario, dealing with some kind of, of life-threatening emergency, a lot of my day is spent just, just talking to my athletes and, and getting a feel for, you know, how they're doing and, you know, talking to them, whether it's about, you know, what happened on the bachelorette last night or, you know, <laughs> call of duty or, you know, things like that. It's uh it's a, an understated part of the role. I think, I mean, in, in this mm-hmm. type of environment, especially in junior hockey at the club team level, you're as much as you're an athletic therapist, you're, you're a, you're a big brother, you know, you're a role model. You're somebody that um, you want those athletes to feel comfortable coming to, you know, the, to me, the best part of my job is when someone knocks on my office door and says, Hey, have you got a few minutes to chat? And I, I think that that says a lot, you know, that there's that trust factor there that, nine times out of 10, it's not even about anything sport related. It's, you know, it's <laughs> how yep. they're feeling. It's, you know, it's, it's something's happening at home. It's uh, you know, there's an issue with a girlfriend or so on and so forth. And they want some advice. And, you know, you, even the older players on the team are, are 20 year old players who don't really, they know they're going to go play university hockey, but you know, they, they want to know some advice on what's university like, you know, do you have any tips and tricks for me there? You know, should I go in this field? Um, Should I study this? Should I study that? So as much as you're an athletic therapist, I think you play a little bit of a mentorship role as well. That sometimes I think people um, forget about and take for granted. Oh yeah. And I think that speaks volumes about even your personality as a therapist. And I think that's a huge contribution to kind of what you bring to the table, especially with Hockey Canada. I mean, there are so many therapists out there that would love that opportunity and for you to be able to really connect with those athletes and, and build that rapport. But the the conversation that we have as therapists in general, which I always find amusing, is that we're not just athletic therapists. We're not just massage therapists. We are like a therapist because <laughs> exactly like you said, I mean, you know, whether they're on our table or we're doing a tape job or you know, we're hanging out with um, all the players at the end of the day, you know, there are many situations like that where they have a mental breakdown because they didn't play well, or, you know, something's happening at home and it's affecting their play. It's, it's, you know, when we're able to bring that all together for them and, and bring that environment of that trustworthy friendship almost with, you know, of course, barriers and all that stuff, but being able to be that person for someone, I think is really important. And I think that's, that's awesome that you, you're able to do that with, with the players. And and I think that gets lost, Lindsay, on a lot of people that watch hockey or or any sport in general, they only see the person that they're watching as an athlete. They, they have a hard time separating, you know, the person from the athlete, right. And Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you know better than anybody in your field of work than, and you just hit the nail on the head that oftentimes the clinic or the medical room is that safe space where these people can kind of come and, and, and talk and vent and, and, you know, hopefully we can make them feel as much as we're there to make them feel better physically, because uh, <laughs> yeah. first and foremost, that's their job, but we're there to, we're there to, we're there to support them emotionally. Right. And I mean, a, a lot of these kids in junior hockey, um, especially in their draft year, there's an unbelievable amount of pressure on them from, from all over, from agents, from um, themselves, from families, mm-hmm. from media, et cetera, et cetera. And, but it comes with the territory. I, mean, I don't think anybody's surprised in their draft year that they have to deal with that, but uh, you know, those are the conversations I think that carry the most weight, you know, and you can tell when, when you're around the same people every day, six, seven days a week, you can tell when someone's off and it's very easy to go up to them and say, Hey man, how are you doing today? Like you want to chat for a couple of seconds? Like you just don't seem like yourself today. And, you know, I think that is the, again, the understated part of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's key though, because sometimes if you don't address those situations, those players feel like they're unnoticed or, you know, some, some type of neglect. And I think that's, that's great that a lot of therapists of, of all kinds, even coaches, God, I've seen so many coaches just sit down with people and say like, Hey, you know, do you want to talk about like what happened last night? Or, you know, you see something on social media where, you know, they had a bad game and someone sent some nasty tweets out and it really impacted them for the next few days. So it's, it is a huge, huge thing. Do you find that with some of the teams that you work with that, there is that opportunity or a therapist that people typically go to for those, those kind of times. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you made an important point there too. Uh, you know, I think the teams that have the most success, regardless of the level that you're competing at, whether it's junior hockey, whether it's international hockey, whether it's professional hockey, it's, it's the coaches and, you know, the athletic therapists and equipment managers and support people behind the scene that create that the family type environment where, no matter what the topic is, um, there's a sense of comfort and there's a sense of acceptance there that, you know, you know that you can knock on anybody's door at any time or even phone them or text them or, or what have you if something is not right in your life. And I think that those are the teams that go on to have the most success, um, regardless of the level that uh, they compete at in the sport and, and regardless of the sport that they're participating into. Yeah. Ex- and that's exactly it. Like, I think when you work with a team for so long, it's so hard almost to watch the season end or, you know, you get really into the games and, you know, you open the bench door and you feel that energy and it's, it's tough to kind of really go in the waves of what's going on if you win or lose or whichever, because, you know, you also have to maintain your composure, but you really feel what the players are going through. So you are kind of on that journey with them and, Do you find that, you know, with the World Juniors or whatever team that you are working with, do you ever have a time where that time ends with them and it's just like, oh, you just wish that you had more time? Like, I find I get that all the time with with certain players or whichever. You just wish that you had that extra, you know, year with them or whichever because of the contract and whatnot. Yeah, 100%. And and I think, you know, the, the example of that for me, that's the freshest in my mind was, you know, our past season here in the Western Hockey League with the Edmonton Oil Kings, we, we were having a phenomenal, phenomenal year. Um, you know, we were first place in our conference, we were competing to be the best in the league, you know, we were primed to have a very uh, long and, and, you know, I, I think biasly successful playoff run. And then, you know, you, you hear whispers in, in February about this, this virus and it's serious and, you know, you, you kind of, you have it on your radar and, 
then in March, everything, you know, kind of just hits you like a freight train. And, and you find out one day that when you're supposed to be going on a road trip, um, your road trip is canceled. And then you find out two, uh, two days later that, well, we're going to shut the season down for a little bit here, you know, with this, it's everybody's safety in mind. And, you know, we're optimistic. We're going to start it up again. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit after that and, and everything's canceled. And, you know, you, you feel for the, you feel for the players first and foremost, because, you know, they're the ones that go over the boards every night and then they, you know, blood, sweat and tears and, and all those old adages. But, you know, the coaches who put in a lot of long hours and, and spend a lot of energy and work hard behind the scenes and, and, you know, guys like myself and my role and the equipment managers and, you know, your game night helpers. I mean, there's a ripple effect there where you definitely it's emotional when, when you have an opportunity to, to do potentially do something special and, and that opportunity gets taken away from you. I think that that hits hard. And, and to be honest with you, it's the first of November now we're, well, my math is right. We're entering into the eighth month of this, you know, this pandemic right now. And um, it, it's still, it's still a little raw, right. But mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, then you have years where you have success, you know, 2014, we win the Memorial cup with the oil Kings. And there's still a lot of players on that team that I keep in touch with, but even that when we had our uh, celebration day in Edmonton, I mean, guys were all starting to go their own separate ways at that point. And there were several players on that team that, you know, I knew that it might be a long time before I got to see them again. And it's emotional, right? You, you get, uh, when you have a successful run like that, or even a gold medal win with, with hockey Canada and Buffalo in 2018, there's that, that old line where, you know, you walk together in history forever. And, mm-hmm. um, not to skip ahead a little bit, but, you know, being fortunate enough to work in the facility I work in in Rogers place in Edmonton and having the, uh, the Oilers, you know, across the hall from us and, and being around the building when a lot of these NHL teams come through, I, I do get the opportunity from time to time to catch up with players, um, either from my own club who've gone on to play in the national hockey league, like a Tristan Jerry or a Mark Pesic or a Laurent Bassois, but, you know, guys that I've had the opportunity to work, uh, hockey Canada events with, um, you know, like Matt Barzell, Dylan Strom, um, you know, Robert Thomas, guys like that. Right. And they have no issues stopping and, and, and wanting to spend, you know, some time to catch up. Like, how are you doing? How's the family? Like, and then it, it inevitably always turns back to that successful time that you shared together. And, and I think that's a pretty cool thing about what we do as, as ATs and, uh, PTs and, and massage therapists in, in sport. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's beautiful when you have rapport with an athlete and it's, it is really cool when you have those moments because you really can't get those back, you know, like it's, it's just, it's really cool because, you know, when you have that environment where everything's so busy and, you know, everyone is, is very like high functioning and, and ready to play or doing their warmups, it's, it is such a nice, moment to, you know, make eye contact with them and have that quick connection because, you know, you, you're right. You never know when you can see them again, depending on the schedules and, and all that jazz. Like it's, what was the, the environment like, or, or the mood when you were, you know, at the Rogers place, like, what was that like during the COVID kind of pandemic? Yeah. I mean, it was something that I think I can confidently say uh, anybody wasn't imagining having to deal with in their lifetime, depending in regardless, sorry, on, on what your line of work is. Um, and I, I have to applaud, you know, the health authorities and, and everybody that made the decisions to, to kind of 
uh, put the brakes on and put press pause on, on all these seasons. I mean, it's uh, at the time we were dealing with, and, and it still are in some ways, a very relative unknown and constantly evolving and changing situation. And sometimes in life, the hardest decisions that, you know, people have to make end up being the best for, for everybody. Right. And um, at the time there certainly was, some sadness and the definite sting of having a season taken away from, from, you know, these, these young men who work hard and, you know, our 20 year old athletes who this was going to be their last opportunity to, to chase the championship and, and have that taken away. It was, it was tough to see that, but um, you know, it's uh, it's certainly allowed a lot of people uh, some time to reflect, I think on what's important in, in life. Right. And, I mean, it was an opportunity to, to spend more time with family, mm-hmm. you know, it was an opportunity to, you know, catch up with friends. It was an opportunity, well, obviously virtually not face-to-face because of social distancing and so on <laughs> and so forth. And, you know, uh, like reignite old hobbies. Like for me, I mean, I, I had played guitar for over 20 years, but I really neglected it in the last couple of years. And during the pandemic, I just picked it up and started playing it again. And it became very therapeutic for me in, in times when, you know, that I was stressing out a little bit or was uncertain about, you know, my job and what was it going to look like? And when was our season going to start? And, you know, what if, what if, what if I would just pick my guitar up and I just play for an hour, sometimes two hours at a time. And, and that really helped take my mind off things. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, there's a group of, of us who've worked, um, you know, in the CHL together and uh, with hockey Canada, with the world junior team and, um, you know, different connections through hockey over the years. Um, and I have to give credit to Adam Douglas for this. Adam was the manager of sport performance for hockey Canada. And I've had the opportunity to work several world junior tournaments with Adam. He's an unbelievably, uh, talented guy. He's very passionate. He's, he's great at, at what he does. And he pitched this idea of having a weekly Wednesday night kind of zoom meetup for, um, it was, it started off as a handful of us and it kind of grew, as the pandemic went on and that was very um, it was very much needed because we were able to from coast to coast in Canada, see a familiar face, you know, once a week. And, and it honestly, it became the highlight of the week. Like, you know, we were, we knew every Wednesday night, we were going to get together, you know, we're going to tell a few stories, have a few laughs, drink a few beers. And it actually evolved into uh, the athletic therapist from the Vancouver giants, um, Mike Bernstein, who, who uh, worked in the NHL for a number of years he started organizing, having special guests come on and surprise guests come on. So, you know, Joe Thornton was on one night and Danny Heatley was on another night and it was just, it was unbelievable, right? Like it was just such a cool way to take your mind off the day-to-day pressures and stress that came with the pandemic and just, you know, have a few laughs and, you know, again, have a few cold beers and just, talk about the good times right and, and of course when everybody kind of gets together in that hot stove type environment everybody's trying to solve the world's problems too so that's uh, that usually ends in some pretty funny discussions so I'm very grateful for Adam for starting for starting that up uh, a couple of months ago so yeah he's honestly he's a fantastic guy I, I I'm pretty sure that we we worked together for the Buffalo World Juniors right he was with us yes, on that road trip. Right. yeah yeah he was his energy is honestly incredible and you know just the things that he does is just awesome and, and it's uh you know we're, being able to work those those types of events allow you to work with a bunch of different people that you wouldn't normally have access to in, in your day-to-day job and you know you get to work with other athletic therapists like i've had the opportunity to work with joey garland uh, from windsor 
Um, I've, this will be my third tournament working uh, with athletic trainer, Kevin Elliott from Charlottetown. And it's, it's great to, to be able to work with these different people. And it, it becomes as much as it's a work experience to me, it's a learning experience. When I go into that type of environment, I always want to leave it um, kind of better, either skill set wise or, you know, headspace wise than I did before I entered it. And, and working with guys like that and, you know, with Adam Douglas and with the different doctors and the different equipment managers that I've had the pleasure of working with at that tournament, like Chris McDonald, um, Brian St. Louis, like Chris Hamilton, like it's. I, I want to get as much out of it as I can to bring it back to my own job, uh, you know, every opportunity. And I, and I never take that for granted. And I'm very fortunate that, that those people that I do get the opportunity to work with are very like-minded in that sense too. And, you know, we're always trying to say, Hey, what would you do in this situation? What would you do for this injury? You know, and then we go to the equipment guys, how would you modify a skate for this? How would you modify an elbow pad for that? And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a learning experience and it's, I think, um, as therapists, regardless if it's, you know, again, AT, PT, RMT, you know, Cairo, if you think you have everything figured out, that's the minute that you realize you don't. So if, if you're not open-minded and willing to, and even in your own practice, if you come across, you know, um, a patient with, a, an injury or a condition that you yourself are just not able to get them over the hump, there's nothing wrong with, with calling somebody else or referring them out to somebody else and explaining, okay, this is what I've done. This is the, the roadblock we're at right now. Is there something that you can offer, you know, in this person's treatment plan, that's going to help kind of get them further down the road. And I think that's um, something I, I pride myself on is, is, is having a good referral network here in Edmonton and, and having good people from coast to coast in Canada that through these different events, I can pick up the phone, I can FaceTime, call, shoot a text. Hey, so-and-so has this, this issue happening right now. This is what I've done. Do you have any suggestions on what, you know, I could do to help them out a little bit? And invariably they come up with something that I haven't thought of. You try it out and you're like, oh yeah, that, that worked. Like I never would have thought of that. Like, thanks a lot. And then <laughs> fast forward a month later, you're inevitably returning the favor for somebody else. So that's what it's all about in my mind. Well, a million percent. And I, I couldn't agree more because sometimes even those conference calls that you guys had together, it's really cool what you can actually get out of them. As much as you're having beers and you're having conversations, you could really get into like the conversations of injuries that are most common or you know, the type of assessment you do or a certain tape job you do and, and what that other person takes from it, if they're willing to be a sponge and they're willing to have that personal growth within themselves, as well as an occupational aspect, I think that's brilliant because you, you nailed it. I, I think there is no perfect therapist. I think there is always room for improvement. And I think if you do have that open door policy with all the other um, multidisciplinary aspects of a team, whether you're at your clinic or with a, t- a team as it's as itself, I think that's that's great. I think that's a really important thing to have in your traits as a therapist. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because if you approach a situation narrow-minded, your success rate, you know, for helping that person get back to a first and foremost what they're capable of doing on a daily basis, and then b what they're capable of doing, you know, athletically you're not going to have as much success. And if you approach that situation, narrow-minded versus open-minded and willing to, you know, admit that, okay, I can't figure this out. This is a puzzle that there's a a piece missing and and I've, I've lost it. I can't find it. We've all probably been there in the pandemic 
doing puzzles again, but you know, who can I, who <laughs> can so I, phone? <laughs> you know, who can I phone? Can I phone Kevin out in Charlottetown and say, Hey, this is the situation I'm in. What do you think? If I call, you know, Bernie out in Vancouver, Bernie, like this is what I'm facing. You know, how, how would you do it? Even, you know, calling a, a chiropractor, a massage therapist, a PT that, that, you know, and, and if, if they can't explain it to you and then you refer them out and they, they allow that person, you know, to feel better then that's a win in my books. It's not a loss. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I think having a team of people or references that you can, you know, get help from, I think that's a great thing to have in your books because who knows where you even with your athletic therapy, like, and, and your degree, like who knows what your next step will be for education? Like, do you have anything else that you want to add to your tool belt in regards to certifications? Um, yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I mean, I've been very fortunate, um, through working with the oil Kings here in, in Edmonton to, um, be able to have continuing education opportunities each year through our uh, P hats and spam uh, meetings, uh, which are unbelievable. Like we get together with all the national hockey league, American league, East coast league, you know, on down the line, we get together with all their therapists and trainers and strength coaches and equipment guys. And there's always really good uh, continuing ed opportunities there. Um, for me, I think um, a tool that I'd like to add to my toolbox is probably um, that strength and conditioning piece. I'd like to really um, build on that and, and work towards getting my CSCS certification here at some point. But I've also thought about, you know, maybe there's an online master's course that, that I can, um, you know, potentially take at some point down the road here. So um, again, going back to that point, when you think you have everything figured out, you don't. And if you don't constantly um, find something to kind of add to your skill set and keep up with what the trends currently are in your field or, you know, you're going to get passed and, and left in the dust pretty quickly. And, and I mean, nobody wants that. Right. So um, yeah, like I'm, I'm always picking people's brains on, on what I should take. And I mean, I'm, I'm super fortunate again to work in the environment I work in where I have an NHL team right across the hall and I can easily just walk over there, pick up the phone and talk to their, you know, uh, ATs, TD force, and then Chris Davey or their PT, you know, or their massage therapist, uh, Sevy lines. And they're always like, Oh, you should try this course. Or, you know, this is something you should think about taking. And, uh, you know, I don't take that for granted at all. And hopefully when things resume some kind of normalcy and when our season gets going again here, hopefully after Christmas, there'll be opportunities to have those conversations and kind of figure that out a little bit more again. So, yep, that's absolutely. And I, I think that's the best thing about healthcare is there's never a dead end. Like once you're really into healthcare there, it's like a spider web. It's, you know, I, I had this conversation actually with one of my friends who's a Cairo and I said, you know, a lot of my, my clients right now, my athletes are looking for acupuncture and I don't really do needles that well, <laughs> to be honest. So, <laughs> you know, and what was awesome is that they introduced me to this neurostim and, um, you know, it's something that is non-invasive to the skin, but it's very much as effective as, you know, doing like acupuncture needles. So, you know, having that opportunity to have that conversation with another healthcare professional to kind of open up that platform, I was so grateful for it, you know, and, and I agree with you. I think, having those conversations and being open is, is really key. And, you know, with that being said, you know, you are someone who advocates for Sheridan college and the, the great experience that you had there, you know, what was some of the greatest parts of going there for school? 
Uh, excellent question. Um, and, and I go back to that point that we talked about a little bit earlier here in our conversation about that family type environment in sport um, leading to success. And that's certainly something that I experienced right away at Sheridan College was it was very much um, a family type environment. And I mean, I, it was the first time I'd ever moved away from home. I mean, I, I spent my entire life in, in Newfoundland. I, you know, I was able to walk to primary school, elementary school and high school. I was a 15 minute drive to my university. Um, and now I was packing everything up and moving to Ontario for three years at, at school. And it was an intimidating, um, definitely an intimidating proposition to, to undertake, but it's one that I'm very, very glad that I did. And, uh, the professors, the instructors were phenomenal. Uh, the classmates were awesome. Um, you know, the environment was, was one that, you know, you really look forward to going to class every day and, you know, we had great opportunities for placements. Um, you know, my placement opportunities eventually led to employment opportunities, which I'm forever grateful for. Um, I'll, I'll be killed if I don't mention this. I mean, as much as uh, I'm proud to, um, you know, say that I got my degree from there and I got certified while I was there. I mean, if it wasn't for me going there, I would have never met my wife as well. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. She's also an athletic therapist. She works at a high school here in Edmonton. And, um, you know, it's great to have that person in your life who works in the same field as you and kind of shares the same, um, you know, thought process and ideas as you, because she then becomes a, a you know, a, a second opinion for me, like, Hey, just like we talked about reaching out to other people from coast to coast. I just have to say, Hey, like I've got this type of injury. Like, what would you do? Like, what do you think? So again, very fortunate that I have that, you know, in-house consult, pardon the pun, but <laughs> I'm also very fortunate to, uh, to have her in my life because she's super supportive of what I do. And when you work in hockey, you travel a lot, you're gone a lot. Um, you know, I was in the bubble for 66 days, uh, I'm about to go into another bubble again for seven weeks and oh my gosh. without, without that type of support, it's not possible. So I'm forever grateful to Adrian and, and, you know, everything she's done for me. Absolutely. It is really about like the home environment too. I think having that home base and that security when you're on the road is, is so important. There's, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this too, is there's been times when you're a therapist and you had a really rough day, regardless if it was a injury you were trying to fix, or you're just dead tired from the crazy hours or whichever it is, just, you know, being able to make that call to home, just to give you that balance again, couldn't feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I mean, something that I try and do, and it's easier said than done some days in some situations, but you know, I, I, as soon as I walk in the back door, I try and turn off that work switch and turn on the home switch. Right. And, and, you know, because of the amount of travel and the amount of time I'm gone, like, you know, I want to make the most of the time that I have at home with, with my wife and my dog. And, um, it's, it's very therapeutic. It's hard to do some days. It's, it's taken a lot of practice for sure, but, um, that's something that is very, very valuable as, as therapists, regardless of what field or what sport you work with is being able to separate that kind of work from post work, um, mentality. And it, it's, it's hard. It, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of discipline to be able to just kind of shut yourself off and, and just 
be a person and not be a therapist. So exactly. And do you find that with the break that you did have during COVID or (laughs) I don't even know if it's called a break. We didn't, we didn't get to pick this break, (laughs) but you know, yeah, it's like a a forced, uh, forced hiatus, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's actually the, probably the perfect way to put it. Cause it it was, I don't even know how to, it just happened. That's the best way to explain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, we, Adrian and I had a running joke amongst ourselves where, you know, are we going to be one of these couples that we're now all of a sudden we're not used to spending time together and now we're in each other's space all day, every day. Like, are we going to be able to make it? And it was the most time that we'd spent together in a consecutive stretch since we were married. And, you know, it was awesome. Like we had a great routine going, she was still working at that time. And, you know, we had a great routine going and, you know, like everybody, we were crushing stuff on Netflix. It was Tiger King. It was Ozark. You know, we've, we've uh, started watching uh, Parks and Rec from right from the beginning because neither one of us had watched that. And, and, you know, just different things like that. You know, our, our dog, I think, was the one who had to take the biggest adjustment because all of a sudden she's used to having the house to herself all day. And, I'm just sitting in the, in the office or I'm sitting at the kitchen table, you know, on zoom calls or on FaceTime calls or, you know, just working from home. So she kind of was a little bit weary that something like what's up. And then once she realized she could then hang out outdoors all day, then it was like, okay, yeah, you guys can stay home as long as you want. Right? But, <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience, but I think, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely better for it. I think in that aspect, having gone through it, the amount of personal growth that each and every person got to experience through that, like whether it was, you know, taking their dogs for a walk, getting a new puppy. Like, I can't tell you how many people got dogs during COVID. Oh, trust me. I tried. <laughs> I tried to get a pandemic puppy. I, I pushed for it and pushed for it, but it just didn't, it didn't work out. So. Oh, but I, I actually was like so happy for the people who did though, because, you know, yeah. they actually, um, on the news one day at the, I think it was probably, um, June, I think, or no, it was, no, probably May. Yeah. Probably May. There was, um, about 16 animal shelters that were cleared out like they had no more dogs. Like they, they literally like sold every single one of the dogs in a great way. Like they all finally got homes, which like, oh, it just melted my heart. Oh yeah. And oh. it's, it's amazing. Right. And that's, that's the perfect example of, out of something bad comes something. Right. So um, I, I think if in a situation like COVID, if, if we only look for the negative of it we're only going to find and see the negative of it but you know there's definitely little positive rays of sunshine in an otherwise you know dark uh, day you know like that example you just gave so oh exactly and I think that's the thing that makes it you know a really strong environment for people in COVID is the fact that they got to have that rapport with others and and really kind of bring they're good personalities out and, and good traits and heck you got to play the guitar, which is awesome. So, you know, like you, you got to enjoy life just a little bit, even though it was in a little bubble, but you know, with you going into another, you know, set of, of experiences with, with sports, what, what are you looking forward to the most getting back into the swing of, of hockey? Um, for me, I, I like, like I, I love the routine. I love the day to day. I love getting up in the morning, you know, uh, having a bite to eat, grabbing a coffee, driving to the rink. I'm just, I I thrive on on being in that environment. Um, That's what I miss the most uh, about it. And, you know, fortunately uh, for me, I was presented with the opportunity 
in a non-athletic therapy role to take part in the NHL return to play program here in Edmonton and to be uh, on the ground and, and inside the bubble and, and staying in the hotel inside the bubble to help all these different athletic trainers and therapists and equipment managers out um, to, you know, take the small things off their plates, like doing laundry, um, setting up benches, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it was a cool experience because it got me back into that, <clears throat> that environment that I love and being around people that, you know, uh, I work with every day, like my equipment manager from the oil Kings, Rogan Dean, he was in there with me right till the end. And, you know, some of the oiler, um, game night helpers were in there too. So it was cool being in there with familiar faces and, and, you know, selfishly being in there and being one of the few people that was actually able to see this thing from start to finish and see some crazy games, see, you know, the Stanley cup being awarded um, in a building with no fans in it. And it was, it was incredible. And, and I, I've, I've said to people that, you know, I, I think when you work in sport, your goal, your end goal is always to get the pro sport. And, you know, I've had some opportunities come my way, but the timing just wasn't right for that. But mm-hmm. I think seeing that um, the Stanley cup be awarded and, and seeing the blood, sweat and tears that goes into just a playoff run and, and, and being around those guys on a day-to-day basis, it definitely put that back on my radar. And it's something that I, I hope to have an opportunity to chase at some point in my career. But in saying that at the same time, I, I'm not going to, um, you know, be disappointed if that doesn't happen. I've, I've had some incredible opportunities to this point in my life um, because of hockey. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be happy either way, but I'd be even happier if I could put a, a potential, you know, Stanley Cup playoff run and, and, you know, maybe a championship on that resume. But uh, that who knows that could happen and it might not. But you know, that's life, right? You know, I mean, you got lots of time. We got lots of uh, years up the the road for <laughs> hockey. So, yeah. you know, who knows what's what's next for you? And I, I was able to um, actually connect with one of my old bosses, who is the massage therapist for the Calgary Flames. And you know, even just hearing her his journey about being with a team like that and and having to go through all the injuries and what you mentioned too is that you you don't you're not just the therapist and you know. Um, also supporting them through like the mental stages of the game and all that kind of stuff but you are helping you know the equipment managers you're helping with the towels you're helping like there's so many more roles as a therapist I don't think people understand (laughs) and uh but it's, it's kind of a great thing in a way too because you get it really get to experience the whole thing and and being able to really look and understand where a future goal may be when you're looking at the Stanley cup and you're seeing that environment and the energy alone, I can't even imagine without the fans, it must've still been crazy exciting. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I know watching a little bit of it on television, like the NHL did a fantastic job of presenting it, you, uh, you know, from a visual standpoint, but um, it definitely not having fans in there was, was definitely different, but um, like I said to somebody else earlier, the players, it didn't matter. You know, they, they were there for one thing and one thing yeah. only, and that was to <laughs> win. And it minus the actual crowd noise, cause they had some simulated noise and which made a difference. And the music was just pumping and that made a huge difference too. And, um, you know, the game presentation was, was top shelf from that standpoint, but 
all in all, these players, regardless of what jersey they were wearing, they were there for one thing only. And I mean, it was a huge sacrifice for them, right? I mean, to be away from loved ones and kids and families and, you know, for for the two teams that got uh, to the Stanley Cup final of Dallas and Tampa Bay. I mean, that was 66 days that they were away in a bubble. So um, I think they did a great job of, of focusing on what they were do, what they were there to do. And I mean, it basically was a business trip. It was a long business trip, but um, it, um, it certainly like you could tell, like the, the competition was as high as I've ever seen. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that um, the Oilers gave me the opportunity to, um, to be a part of it and that the NHL allowed me the opportunity to be a part of it. Like the Oilers equipment manager, Jeff Lang was the one who, you know, recommended uh, myself and, and my equipment manager, Rogan Dean, to the NHL and, you know, Rich Filoni at the National Hockey League. Uh, I'd never met him before. I, I'd, I'd heard his name a lot at our meetings, our PHAT spam meetings, and Rich was unbelievable. Rich was our guy in the bubble and anything we needed or anything that, you know, needed to be done, um, he was fantastic. And, and that's another relationship that I would have never had if it wasn't for hockey. So had another experience I wouldn't have had if it wasn't hockey, wasn't for hockey. So, you know, not bad again for a guy who never laced him up as a kid and played to uh, have been, you know, in the bubble and seeing the Stanley Cup <laughs> presented, you know, basically 40 feet from where he was standing. So it was something I'll definitely never forget. Exactly. And that's honestly so cool to say, though, because, you know, nowadays every kid is like in every single sport and, you know, their goal is to be the the highest competitive athlete out there. But you know what? Sometimes your path may take you to athletes in just a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing in life's a straight line. There's always going to be curves and ups and downs. And, um, you know, I, I think if you're, if you're willing to, um, face a challenge, I think you come out on, on the other side, um, or face an opportunity, come out on the other side better for it one way or the other, right? So absolutely. And even with your journey, I mean, you've literally been coast to coast <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah. with moving. So, you know, would you, if you did have to relive this current moment, would you, would you have made the step from, you know, the, the, the East coast to Ontario and then move that platform out West? Would you, would you do it again? Yeah, I don't think I'd change, I'd change anything. I mean, I've been incredibly fortunate to, to have the experience, experiences, sorry, that I've had to this point and um, to, to meet the people that I've met and to work with the people that I've worked with. And, you know, um, I, I have some lifelong friendships uh, because of, of this journey. And, and obviously I, I've, I met the love of my life because of this journey and the timing of it. So I don't think I'd change, I'd change anything. Um, I've, I, I'd say I'm lucky. I mean, I think there's, there is an element of luck. There is an element of being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I look back on um, my work placement in my last year, Sheridan college, I was working with the Hamilton Bulldogs uh, hockey club who were Montreal's affiliate um, from the, in the NHL. And uh, we had a player who had a significant knee injury and was, and I was helping rehab with their athletic therapist, Luke LeBlanc and their, their assistant AT and strength coach, uh, Darren McConaughey. And, um, you know, got to know this guy very well. And, uh, he was a former player, um, in the Western league in Tri-City. And he just happened to be talking to his old general manager one day. And he said, Hey, like, we think our guy's going to leave at the end of the year. Do you, do you have anybody in mind? And he recommended me to him. And, um, I got a phone call and it, it was an interview without me knowing it was an interview. And this was in May. <laughs> I remember sitting at the table at, uh, at Adrian's house in, in Oakville as I'm studying for the national exam. And 
um, they're like, okay, yeah, no, sounds good. Uh, we we want to offer you the job. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Hang on like, here. <laughs> what is, ha- what is happening here? So I phone her and I say, Hey, like, this is, this just happened. Like, what do you think? And her exact lines were, well, you better get studying for the exam because I don't think they're going to take you if you don't pass it. And, and it was that kind of the motivating factor that kind of pushed me towards certification. And again, like here I am, I, I pack everything up in, in the end of July of that year. Um, after I got certified in 2009, I drive all the way across Western Canada and into the Western U S I spent a year by myself in, in tri city in, in Washington state. And, um, you know, it was tough. It was definitely tough moving away from, from home, you know, my Oakville, my second home at that time, moving away from home and, and taking on that experience. But, you know, if it wasn't for taking that chance and taking that opportunity to go there, I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to move back to Canada and, and work here in Edmonton for, you know, an amazing organization with, um, the Edmonton oil Kings and, you know, work under the Edmonton Oilers and, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? So I, I wonder if I didn't take that placement my last year, Sheridan, where I would have ended up. So it's kind of it's kind of serendipitous how it all kind of happens. Yep. And I think it's really cool the people you do meet during your journey because you really have no, like for you, for example, with the interview, like you have no idea potentially what these people are thinking for your future, either with their league yeah. or, you know, with their association. And, and it is honestly endless, the possibilities that you can have with those people. So that is, that is so cool. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> it's so exciting. I'm forever grateful to the general manager there in, in Tri-City with the Americans, Bob Tory for, you know, first of all, you know, offering me the opportunity, giving me the opportunity to, to work there for a year and to get my feet wet in the league. And, you know, when I told him in our exit meeting that year that I, I wasn't sure if I was going to come back because of the distance from, uh, you know, from my, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, and just the uncertainty of, of working from year to year. He was fully supportive. He's like, hey, we appreciate everything you've done. You know, what do you need us to do? If, if you need a reference, if you need some help, like, we'll help you out. And, and you know, because of him, he then recommended me to, uh, the general manager at the time with the oil kings bob green and you know i've, I've been here ever since so I, I'm, I'm very very grateful for him for giving me the opportunity and giving me my start but also you know giving me the support to move uh you know to another team within the league I'll, I'll never forget that and i'll be forever grateful for him for that yeah oh uh, and and that's just a you know have you have you really taken in all of your journey thus far like have you sat back and really looked at your your resume or just the journey. Have you really taken it in? Uh, yeah, I think when the opportunity in the bubble to came up to to write that blog post for Chris Trivieri and Nick Hornbow there with, um, inside the game and, and to really look at um, how I've grown as a therapist, but I think mo- most importantly, how I've grown as a person. It was, it was definitely, there were times when I was, when I was writing that blog and reflecting back on the places I've been and the people I've met and the support that I've gotten throughout it. I it's, it was incredible. And you know what the, the funny thing is it, it's, it's just, I hope scratching the surface on what potentially, you know, could come and, you know, who knows that may not be in hockey for the rest of my life. You know, maybe it's a different direction in the athletic therapy field. You know, maybe it's, it's doing a master's degree and, and, or maybe a, an eventual PhD and just completely shifting gears and shifting focus onto something else. But um, I think it's important to kind of reflect on um, what you've done and how far you've come. But at the same time, 
uh, it's just as important to kind of look a little bit further down the road to where you may go and what you may do and who you may meet. And um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get at the same time though, I'm not to contradict myself. You don't want to like spend too much time looking in the rear view or looking too far <laughs> down the road because you want to be in the present yes. too. But um, you know, a, a person who was very influential on me um, getting into this, into this business um, so quick, quick story. And then I, I try and make this as quick as I can. Anytime I tell people kind of how I got started in athletic therapy. So I graduated from high school in 1999 in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. And, and at the time, um, you know, the oil industry, offshore oil was starting to really kick up out there. And I figured, you know what, I, I love where I live and, you know, Newfoundland's a fantastic place. If you've never been, I recommend you go. And, um, so I went to university and I, with the, under the guise of doing like a, an earth sciences, a, a geology degree, so on and so forth and got in there and you know what, man, it just, it just wasn't for me. And I'll never forget the day. It was the last day that I could withdraw all my money and get a full refund for the <laughs> semester. And I went and did it. And I went home that evening and, you know, we're having dinner as a family and, everybody. So, you know, what'd you do today? How was your day? And they get to me. So what'd you do, do today? And I said, well, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I dropped out of university and it was kind of quiet. And my dad spoke up and he's like, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll support you, but you need to, you need to find a job and, you know, you can have a little bit of time to figure that out, but you need to find a job. So I went to work as a security, um, uh, person at the uh, mile one stadium in St. John's. So, at the time I was stationed on the St. John's Maple Leafs dressing room and it was a great job. Like I got to see every game. I got to see the players, you know, it was perfect for me. And I got to meet their athletic therapist, Nick Addy Jib. And I said to Nick one day, I'm like, Hey, you know, do you mind if I, if I shadow you, like come in for on one of my days off to kind of see what it is that you do. And he's said, yeah, absolutely, man. Love to have you. So I did that. And no joke, Lindsay, within 30 minutes of being in there, I'm like, yep. This is what you I want knew to do. It, eh? This is what I want to do. And, you know, Nick has been a, a very good mentor uh, to me and, a, and a, a very positive influence for me, you know, in the athletic therapy um, journey. And it, it's funny because our paths actually crossed again in the NHL bubble because he now is an, is an assistant athletic therapist for the Vancouver Canucks. So we were, we were able to spend some time in the bubble and reminisce a little bit about our St. John's Maple Leaf days. And, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's funny how things can come full circle. And again, you never know, you know, the people that you meet, how influential they're going to be and how much of an impact, you know, they, they can have on you. So I, I never take any interaction with anybody for granted. That's for sure. Oh, and, and I have to say that is the best part of the business though, because when you do get to cross paths with people again, i.e. this, you know, like being able to have this connection yeah. with you and how many years ago did we do the world juniors together? And, you know, we met for a short while, but it was wonderful. And, and you never really know where those journeys could take us, but I'm super grateful for this because, you know, being able to cross path with you and really talking about your personal growth as a therapist and as a person as well. I think it's really exciting for people to hear these journeys because, you know, people start in that exact position that you do. Like I have conversations with 40 year olds and, and, you know, 19 year olds who are on the exact same path in their life where they, you know, start school and they say, you know what, like, this is not for me. And then they meet someone or they meet a teacher or a guidance counselor and they instantly switch and, and it's, you know, it's 
perfect from there. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, this type of forum, like the podcast type forum and what you've done with your podcast here and, and the variety of people and the variety of guests that you've had on and that have been able to share their stories. I have no doubt there are people that have listened to, you know, um, each of these guests and it, it's that probably, and I hope probably inspired someone to a, at least think about, uh, that career path or, you know, that type of thing and B maybe even, you know, start down that road. So, I don't, I don't think you should underestimate, you know, the, the effect that you're having with, with this type of medium either. So. Oh, well, thank you so much. (laughs) My, my goal honestly is just to inspire at least one person to, you know, push through their limits and, and really see their own potential, whether it's, you know, coming from their own self or someone else, you know, giving them that little bit of guidance. And, you know, I really do appreciate you coming on here and, and really telling us your stories. Is there anything or like one tip that you would give for an entrepreneur who is looking to get into the field of athletic therapy? Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing I can recommend to people that are just starting out is, you know, network, 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 meet as many people as you can, either in person or, um, you know, uh, online through LinkedIn, through, you know, different groups on, on Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the more you put yourself out there and the more connections you make, the easier it's going to be for you to, you know, market yourself and market your brand when the time comes to do it. And again, it goes back to being open-minded and, and, not thinking that you have all the answers and not being afraid to refer patients out to other people. Um, you know, when the time comes to, uh, to help them, if you're experiencing some kind of roadblock. So I mean, open-mindedness and, and taking a risk are, you know, two of the hugest or biggest, hugest is not a word, biggest, uh, <laughs> you know, things that you can do. And you know what, if it doesn't work out, you got to try something else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you can get there's going to be frustrating days for sure, but you can't let the bad days be, uh, you know, be more than the good. So. Oh, absolutely. Tomorrow is another day for an opportunity. A thousand percent. Yes. I think that's great. That's, oh, thank you so much for, for all of this. You have so much wisdom already under your belt, but you are far from over in your career. Let me tell you. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes. And is there a place like if people are looking to contact you, is there other than LinkedIn, is there anything else that they can contact you on? Or is that the best way to have them contact you? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way. I mean, I'm fairly active on on social media as well. Um, I think I have a link to that in my in my LinkedIn um, page. But I mean, I'm to the point right now in my career where I'd love to, I love to pay it forward and I love to help people that are out uh, up and coming, you know, on, on their journey in, uh, in athletic therapy, not just in hockey, but in any sport and, and clinical and so on and so forth. So, you know, if there's anything I can do for anybody that listens to this, uh, podcast, you know, my inbox is always open, please feel free to drop me a line. And you know what, if I don't have the answer for you, maybe somebody I know does and I can refer you on to them. So that's awesome. Yes. I I love it. Mentorship is so important. So thank you so much, Brian, from all of us who are, are listening. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My pleasure.